This podcast is brought to you by our friends at the Nexus Recruitment Group, official Bristol City Football Club short sponsors. There is a company or brand within the group that can assist all recruitment needs across any industry to suit any budget. Head over to nexus-resources.k.uk or 3people.k.uk for more information. Welcome to Three Peeps in a Podcast, the bonus show. School's out for half term next week, but school was very much in at Ashton Gate this weekend as Bristol City were essentially torn to pieces by Bournemouth in a game that somehow only ended 2-0. After the highs of Peterborough and an almost full squad of players to pick from, some of us were expectant of at least a point. But as the old adage goes, it's the hope that kills you, Matt Withers. Very good intro there, Patch. I'm impressed with that. Thanks, Um, mate. And uh, an adage, I hadn't heard adage for a little while, to bring adage back in. Uh, yeah, you couldn't have said it any better. It was a, an absolute lesson, wasn't it, from um, a team that are light years away from where we were yesterday. I'm not going to say necessarily as a, a club, because we've seen much better performances. But yeah, yesterday was a proper schooling, wasn't it? Absolutely. The three words from Lee Williams were very hard watch. Um, it's, not, it's not wrong. Yeah, I'll bring in our guest to comment on Very Hard Watch, and that is Ellie. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me on the show. Um, I agree with what that gentleman has said. I have been saying to all of my friends yesterday, I have nothing positive to say about that game at all. Um, Men against boys, I don't think Bournemouth came out of second gear the whole game. Hard watch, um, I felt quite a little bit downbeat after that game. Mm. Um, You know, we... You say about this every single game, the longer this home drought goes on, the harder it's going to get. It's becoming a chore to watch yeah. us at home at the moment. And I don't feel we have any, have shown any signs yesterday that we can get a win against Forest. I'm afraid. Well, last season, towards the end of last season, we continued this podcast and it was a good to talk mantra. So we're we're sort of back there now at the moment, Matt. After after such highs of Peterborough, but um, we are going to talk it through. And I guarantee you, you listen to this podcast over the next hour, you will come out feeling, I'm sure, a little bit happier, even if yeah. it's just to hear <laughs> our <Yeah>. voices. Oh. <laughs> I promise, Ellie, you will. Ellie, I oh. promise you will feel better. But you're, you're spot on. I thought yesterday, it was it was a chore. It was a really good way to say it. Um, and I, w- I will say for me yesterday was probably the first game where I felt we weren't competitive. Um, it didn't feel like, it, for me at any stage, like we were in that game. Um, and if we're honest, and if they hadn't have been probably a bit selfish with their finishing, um, it really could have been a cricket score. And, and I was saying that within 10 minutes, I turned around to, to the guy next to me and said, uh, this this could be an absolute hammer. I nearly said the guy behind Patch, but I didn't. Um, this could be a real hammering. Um, and, and actually, it was all by the scoreline, wasn't it? Absolutely. Um, so, Nigel Pearson described it after the game as damage limitation situation. Once Andy King went off, um, and we went down to 10 men, but it felt like damage limitation for much longer than that, Matt, didn't it? Yeah, um, I said at halftime I'd take 2-0. Um, because I genuinely thought it was going to be, a, 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 as I say, a hammering. Um, the King sort of situation we'll talk about was a bit strange, but to play the last, I don't know what it was, 15, 20 minutes with 10 men, mm. um, Ellie said Bournemouth didn't have to get out of gear, um, second gear. Um, had they done, had we 
scored with that little passage of two minutes um, and made it 2-1. Um, Bournemouth, I think, would have just gone up again and, and gone at the other end. So, yeah, yeah I, I, I agree with what he said. And sometimes you do you do have to take a defeat. And, and someone said it on Radio Bristol. Probably the, the, the positive out of it was that the goal difference wasn't massively impacted. And, yeah. you know, that's a, a, a pretty damning verdict, isn't it? So, yeah. Absolutely. Okay, a little bit of uh, admin before we get into the starting lineup. Um, so this podcast is very close to hitting uh, 100,000 downloads. So whoever, if you're listening to this, you could be that 100,000th person. So um, we'll do a little bit of fanfare, I'm sure, during the week. So look out for the fireworks um, for that one. Um, Also, a great celebration um, on Thursday when my great uncle Len turned 105. He's now been a Bristol City fan for 100 years. Put that into perspective. Um, Incredible. It felt like that yesterday, to be fair. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. But... um, Big thanks to Nigel Pearson for um, for doing a, a video message. And also Lewis Hamilton uh, did a video message to him as well. So, uh, yeah, that's um, on the, the Three Peeps Twitter. Um, Mercedes retweeted it. Well, actually, Mercedes tweeted it. Um, and there's some some ridiculous number of views and likes and things like that. And they made a bit of a fuss of him. Uh, Ashton Gate, he wasn't there, but on the big screen, they did um, a little message for him as well. So thanks to Downsy. Yeah, and, Downsy read that out. Yeah. yeah, and Toby Osborne on Robin's TV as well, which I, I saw but couldn't hear um, uh-huh. down in the concourse. So, yeah, happy birthday, Uncle, great Uncle Len. Um, many more years to come, let's hope. Uh, One other, uh, Ali, Durden, Ali Durden's birthday today. Oh, so, is it? Uh, yeah, is he 105? Not, not quite. No, I don't think so. No, I don't think so. But yeah, it's uh, Ali. Yeah. Oh, I think so, he, so. I think he might age that much if he has to keep watching us. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Big yeah, happy birthday, well. Ali Durden. Okay, so a good night at the Hen and Chicken on Monday. Richard Gould, assistant to the manager, Curtis Fleming, Dan Bentley, and Andy Vyman. I thought all spoke really well. Um, there apparently was no mindset issues with playing at home. The manager demanded as a minimum, that we outrun opposition, which we have done in every game, you could argue, apart from maybe yesterday, but we'll come on to that. Um, And the group police each other. It was great, Matt, to hear questions from key contributors to the podcast. Um, Adam Gould, Rob Blamey um, asked some really good questions. And actually, Rob touched on something that Dan Bentley said about, um, you know, keyboard warriors on Twitter and things like that and said that, you know, we've got his back, which I thought was a great moment. Yeah, it was. I, th- I thought um, all of them on the, the top table spoke really, really well. Curtis Fleming, um, you can see he's quite an infectious character, isn't he? He's quite a funny man. Um, he kept referencing the fact when there was a difficult question that he wasn't there last season. Um, <laughs> but but Dan Bentley, I, spoke, I think, spoke like a captain. Very, um, very, got a very commanding presence, I thought. Um, mm. Spoke about his own ambitions um, and wanting to play, obviously, in the Premier League. Um but then, as you say, spoke about the sort of keyboard warriors, and he made reference. I can't, I can't remember exactly what he said. Was it something about someone wanting to hurt him, or yeah, in the past? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But made reference to that, and, and Rob, like you said, said we'd have your back. But it does make you kind of realise that, you know, some of what gets written on on social media is an absolute mm. joke. Um, yeah, aimed at fans as well as. Um, you know, the sort of players, but it was a, a really good night and they were, were very open. Um, as you said, that they made it really clear that they've got absolutely no mindset issues within the group about the home form. Um, I do think subconsciously that must play on your mind. It has to, 
Um, and, you know, it's a record that, that just goes on and on. And you, you kind of think, Jesus, when's it going to end? But mm. no, it was good. And, and, and Richard Gould, um, they, they did keep talking about it, didn't they? Like getting that win. I think there was one point where um, it was Rob's friend um, asked the question about his grandson, didn't he? Saying that he's not seen them or he's only seen them win once in the, the yeah. time he's been going. And Curtis Fleming said, you know, guarantee, you know, he, he will see us win again. You know, he, he might be in his 20s with his own grandkids. <laughs> but <laughs> Was that the point at which you, you shouted out, if we do win, Richard Gould, will you do a lap of the pitch? High-fiving everyone. It was, yeah. Yeah, yeah he, was got qu- a, he, was, he was quick to say no, wasn't he? <laughs> got, a, got a good laugh, actually. Um, so I, I actually started the ball rolling, surprise, surprise. We have a question, um, and that was asking Curtis Fleming about the roles and responsibilities in the dugout. Um, obviously with uh, Simpson, Downing, Pat Mountain, Nigel Pearson and Fleming all in there. And he was quite clear that uh, when whilst Nigel's in the stands, he's the front man, he's the one who's given the orders and the, the coaches are there as sort of counsel consulting to him um, in terms of, you know, what, what, what could be done from a, a tactical point of view. Is that pretty much how you saw that answer, Matt? Yeah, yeah, it was. Um, came across very clear that, that Nigel Pearson's his own man um, and, and what he expects. I think that came across from Curtis and from the two players. Um, but yeah, it was. And and as I say, they, they were all very, very honest, stayed around afterwards for photos um, and it was a, a well-organised event. And I, I definitely encourage um, fans to go along to the next one that they arranged, which they, which they sort of send their look to do a couple of times a season. Yeah, and I thought the venue worked well, being neutral ground as yeah. opposed to at Ashton Gate. It made yeah. it feel like more of a, you know, um, less corporate, yeah. if you like. And, so. and and special mention to to um, Jerry as well, Jerry Tockle going around and asking the questions and adding his own input. Yeah, it was it was well organised as, as yeah. you'd expect with Dave Barton sort of organisation stuff. Absolutely, yeah, good show. Okay, uh, last bit. There was um, a bit of news in the week. Uh, I'll read out the tweet that he sent to Jeff Twentyman. Could you give an on-air welcome to the latest member of the Bristol City Fan Club? My beautiful daughter, Daniela, was born here in South Africa on Friday. So that's Friday last week. So proud of her and her mum, Danica. We'll be showing her the West Country soon. So big best wishes to Dr. Dean Allen and and the, the family, Matt. Yeah, lovely. I mean, she's beautiful little girl. And Dean put a post yesterday, um, him in his city shirt holding her up. Which I don't know, yeah, that that feels like abuse really that early on it to, to introduce her to a Bournemouth game, but yeah, great, great to see. And you know, Dean's a, a top, top man, isn't he? Um, and yeah, he always brings a, a smile to the face on a, a Friday with his photo. So brilliant absolutely. news, yeah, absolutely. Okay, right, let's get into the game. We can't delay it any further. Uh, so <laughs> the starting lineup, um, Ellie, I'll come to you first on this. Massive shock, re Rob Atkinson dropping out. Um, disappointed. I saw the words feeling unwell, so I presume it's illness rather than injury. Um, was a little bit worried, obviously, with the recent sort of injury of Nathan Baker. But if if he's fit, he's he's got to play. If we've got a, an injury to Atkinson, thought the back four lineup was you know as, as strong as and as good as it could be. But maybe was a game too far for the likes of Campering. Not experienced, unfortunately, not experienced enough in my eyes. Tanner, when he first signed, going to be honest, I didn't think he would sort of come straight in and become a regular starter. But from what I've seen of him, I've been really impressed. Gets his foot, gets his foot in, loves a tackle, yep. and is seems to be holding himself very well so far. Mm. Matt, for for me, it was pretty much as 
as I expected, you know, when when I went on Sound of the City um, after the Peterborough win, I said I would start with the same team, which effectively it was with the absence of Atkinson. It was. I mean, I guess you worry um, when you hear it's illness, COVID, and the fact that Nigel Pearson had it. You kind of think, oh, crikey, let's hope it's not. It's, it's not kind of that. But um, yeah, as, as Ellie said, there wasn't really an, another option. Um, and and again, absolutely spot on the, the, from a campering point of view. I think yesterday he did look like a, a, a lad that you know was inexperienced at that level against top top players. To be fair, I think on both sides. They didn't get the support they needed from from the midfield as well, um, and it was easy to sort of blame the the fullbacks when the ball's going down there. But we had there was no other options. I mean, people talk will talk about Robbie Cundy, um, you know, he's coming back from an injury, and we haven't seen him, and he's only played it the likes of Gillingham in Cambridge. But George Tanner was at Carlisle, so that's not to say that Robbie couldn't come in and, and do a job. But um, you know, if if Nathan Baker's fit, he's always going to be coming in there if, if Atkinson's not in there. Yeah, what do you think about Masengo? Um, apparently, apparently fit and ready yep. to go. Not even on the bench. Yeah, I was surprised. I don't know whether there was any kind of impact to the um, the view in a Casey Palmer's suit from the kit reveal. I don't know if that's affected him. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, I was surprised. Um, Nigel Pearson had said, and, and Curtis Fleming had said in in the week that they were all back, sort of training. So with a week's training, having been, I was going to say, arguably, there is no argument, our best player this season. Um, I would have thought Masenga would have at least made the bench. Um, and it's not with hindsight, and he was our man of the match last week, but I did say before the game, I thought playing King against a team that moved the ball quickly alongside Matty James in midfield was a bit of a gamble. Um, and yeah, obviously it, it kind of proved to be the point. But I, yeah, I was surprised. I think Masengo, you, you would expect to come back in on Tuesday, wouldn't you? Absolutely, yeah. Especially, um, you know, with... Williams, but we'll come on to that. Right, let's get into the game then. Um, so seventh minute is my first note. An impeccable minutes applause. I think one of the best observed minutes applause for a player, non-Bristol City, certainly, um, that I've ever witnessed, Ellie. Uh, and that was for David Brooks, who's um, been diagnosed uh, with, was it Hodgkin's lymphoma? He's got Hodgkin's lymphoma, yeah. Yeah, so obviously best wishes to David and, and uh, fighting that. But uh, that was an emotional moment. It was really nice to see, you know, all four stands, you know, on their feet, minutes of applause, just complete silence. And it was just lovely. Yeah. Obviously, best wishes to David. It's a, obviously a shock to the football world. <clears throat> Excuse me. He's very young and fit. You know, it's just a sort of reminder it can happen to all of us. Yeah. So best wishes to him. Yeah. yeah. And look, lots of tweets afterwards in this morning, Matt, from Bournemouth, official Bournemouth uh, Twitter and also lots of fans groups. Yeah, I, th- I think... Um... It was for for them. It was the right game with that situation being sort of warranted. Um, for for you know, Danzy to tweet out um, about you know he he wanted the fans to do it, and um, as Ellie said, it was impeccably observed. Um, un- unusual to actually see fans take to their feet and applaud it as well, and it was literally all four sides of the ground. And that they're the kind of things that lead to special moments between clubs. You know, that forms a bit of a bond at times. And you can imagine Bournemouth fans that were there yesterday, buoyed by the fact they, they absolutely annihilated us from a performance. But also those kind of moments have a special connection. So, no, it was good to see. And and as Ali said, it makes you realise just how fragile everything is and how important it is. And it, it can absolutely happen to any of us. So, yeah, best wishes again to David. 
Yep, hundred percent. Okay, thirteenth minute, uh, a real kick in the teeth for us and for Joe Williams when uh, he clearly pulled up uh, with his hamstring by the looks of it, um, and you, he was absolutely distraught, Matt, wasn't he? Walking off, and he did try and run it off up and down the touchline a little bit, and you thought, okay, maybe he's uh, you know maybe he could, could carry on, but decides not to, and Andrew Proctor was there with him, decided not to as well. Um, so on that, first of all, after the couple of performances that we've seen from him, he was going to be, for me, the answer to a number of problems in terms of biting the tackle, organisation, drive forward, and, and much, much more to his game. So a big loss. And if it is hamstring, you know, who knows how long we could it, he could be out for. Yeah, the, the positive from that that little moment was, as you said, when he went to one more, if, if if your hamstring goes... You, you can't move, you know, it's it's a, a proper, you, you know, you're going to limp off. He um, he went through those kind of quick bursts of, of runs. He then walked off himself all around the pitch. So I don't think it's necessarily as bad as it might seem. Um, you know, it, it doesn't look like it's probably a tear. Um, I wasn't even clear whether it was his hamstring or his thigh to start with, if I'm honest with you. Um, but he did seem to sort of reach round. Clearly distraught. Um, you, you know some of the tweets in the week showing him jumping out on Scotty Murray at the training ground. He's obviously a real character as well, um, and that's again something that you need in a, in a successful squad. So hopefully it's it's something that only keeps him out for one or two weeks. Um, but you do worry that there's something else there from an underlying point of view that again they're going to need to go in and, and have a look at, and, and maybe that might be then what keeps him out because it wasn't even as if it was late in the game. You know, it was fairly early on. Mm. He'd got into the game, so it wasn't like it was the first couple of minutes where he's cold. Um, so, yeah, and, and obviously there was no update after the game from Nigel Pearson. He, he hadn't even spoken to him, I don't think so. Yeah. We, we wish him well because, you know, he, he was clearly, clearly distraught, wasn't he? Very important for us. Um, and Ellie, obviously, with Joe Williams and his bite in the tackle, his aggression, I, I, he was a big loss in particular yesterday because that was exactly what we were missing. I think it's not great to say, but I don't think our midfield was very effective at all yesterday. Matty James, one of our most key players, and I would say the most consistent player in central midfield since he's signed, pretty non-existent yesterday and King as well. I think the game passed them both by. I don't feel they were very effective at all. King going off, unfortunately, at the end of the game with his injury. Could you describe that as bad man management in terms of, you know, having to end the game early, effectively with a player loss? Not good enough in my eyes. Um, and we'll obviously get onto the first goal in a minute, but I've watched the highlights back and noted that it was actually Matty James who lost the ball in possession, which led to the goal which yeah. is very rare and something I, I can't say he does at all, if, if not very often. So very disappointing game. Um, hopefully, you know, it's just a one-off because he's been fantastic so far, Matty James. Mm. And King as well, you would say, has been solid. Not not a squad, not a player that I thought would, you know, play a lot of games this season, given his, you know, track record, his history. Not much game time, Andy King, but both solid. Let's hope that the King... You know, injury is just a little niggle because yeah. at the moment it's looking like we're short in central midfield again. Yeah, I'll pick up on two things there. So Andy King was our man of the match, Matt, um, he was in Peterborough. In Peterborough yep. Controlled yep. the game, forward and back, offered services to, to defence and attack. 
Um, and, and Matty James as well, consistent performer, 100%. Would you, we've had an international break we, where we've had not had a game for two weeks. Uh, so, so for me, it's all about momentum. And particularly with, with those guys who were sort of in, in their, are they in their 30s? I know Andy King definitely Andy is. Andy King definitely is, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think Matty James may be as well, or certainly late. Question. I think he's I around, know. yeah, I think he's around 30, James. Yeah. King yeah. a little bit older, yeah. yeah. Uh, do you, can you see anything in that, Matt, in terms of momentum and keeping that keeping that going? Yeah, it, it, absolutely. Um, but, but also after having a couple of games in, in quick succession, you felt the international break, you know, was coming at the right time and, and that buoyed by the Peterborough result especially. Um, but yeah, you, you can't replicate matches, can you? And and, and that kind of intensity. Um, as I said, and, and it, it wasn't at, after the game, I'd said it before the game. I did, having seen a little bit of Bournemouth, I did feel that they, they would have the energy in midfield and I was surprised we went with the formation that we did and with the players that we did. Um, and I was then also surprised and, and I kind of contradict myself a little bit with this next statement, but I was surprised at the substitution that Wells came on to replace Williams. Um, when Williams first went down, Backinson got stripped and all for the world looked like he was then going to come on. That makes you think, well, was there then a decision? Was that something that Curtis Fleming or thought that was the natural? Pearson then says, no, let's mm. go Wells. Um, the reason I say I, I sort of contradict myself is that obviously Williams was playing the wide of that midfield. So actually, a Backinson going out there wouldn't have been a natural move because Backinson you would see in the middle. So I kind of thought, well, why is he doing that? And then I thought, well, no, actually, I can see that. But I probably would have immediately gone Vyman going there and then Wells up top. Um, but it was a, a strange a strange one. And, and perhaps does highlight our lack of midfield options, but probably more so from a wide perspective rather than centrally. Um, you know, we've got a couple. Masengu's had to play there. Williams is had to play there. You wouldn't be picking either of them to play there as their best positions, would you? You would want them in the centre of the midfield. Well, wasn't Scott playing there at the start of the season as well? Yeah, he started he, off there. Yeah, and he was yeah. on the bench. So, yeah. if you want to go yeah. like for like and not upset the the plan, then the strange, uh, the real strange thing was that, that Gregor had um, made comment from when he was up at the training ground this week or the high performance centre that Callum O'Dowda, one of his takeaways was that Callum O'Dowda had played right-hand side. And he thought that... And on, on that basis, if if he'd watched him playing there in the training sessions, again, you kind of thought, well, if, if they'd worked on that, why wouldn't you have switched Callum over and brought Jada Silva on? And then you're still keeping a shape that that was there. So that was the first poor decision for me from, from, from I'll say, Nigel Pearson, because he is the man that then makes those decisions, so... And uh, back to Hen and Chicken on Monday, Andy Vyman stated, and it's no surprise to anyone, that he much prefers to play through the middle yeah, as a striker. Yeah, so, they do a job um, for the team, but yeah, absolutely. With that in mind, you know, you could argue that his head may have dropped in terms of, oh, no, I've got to go out wide again. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, um, so the, we've mentioned it already, but on the 20th minute, the first Bournemouth goal was a curled cross. Uh, maybe Campering should have blocked that cross. A curl of the ball takes it past Baker and Lowe finishes past Bentley from close range and Ellie, no chance whatsoever for Bentley on that. No chance for Bentley and I said to a couple of my friends, I just find that the goals we concede are just so textbook. It's just we make things so easy for other teams. It is just really easy, you know, wide pass and the goals in the net. It, you know, we see this time and time again and 
you know, you just sit and watch and think, why why aren't we capable of doing that? Why why don't we score goals like that? Yeah. Um, and it's frustrating. And, you know, we're already then one nil down thinking, is it likely that we're gonna get a goal back? No. <laughs> yeah. Matt, it was it was textbook. Um and Bournemouth were just starting to get into cruise control at that point. They were. I mean, you know, probably should have said this from the start. You're talking about a team that's come out of the Premier League last season. Um, I've got a, an experienced manager now, or he's, he's probably not actually Scott, is he? But he's been in the Premier League. He's been in the Championship. Um, but they've kept the majority of their squad. They've added someone in Gary Cahill, who last season, season before, was an England international allegedly on 75 grand a week now at Bournemouth on 60 grand a week you can't compete with that from a you know a, a player quality perspective and that's where you then have to match them in terms of your endeavor and your work rate we didn't yesterday um you know we we may have we've, with the running stats we may have matched them running but only because we were so out of possession all the time that we're having to run back to try and get it but as Ellie said we don't score goals like that we we don't seem to get a ball that's played in to a winger who then first thought or full back is to put the ball in the box. We're so deliberate with stuff. Theirs wasn't. And you looked at Jamal Lowe, um, how you have their main striker free in the middle of the box to side foot a ball in. You know, you've got to look at it potentially Callas and, and Baker there. But it was also a really quick move. You know, as, as Ellie said, Matty James loses the ball, is switched wide. Cam switches off a little bit and they get a cross in and, and it's in the back of the net. And you're right, you know, unless he hits the Bentley with the ball, Benson saving that is just too close. Okay. Um, very, very quick and slick. They were all afternoon, I thought, Bournemouth. Yeah, um, 29th minute. Callas long throw is flicked on well by Martin to Vyman, who swings a boot at it, but it's a very easy save from the keeper. That was, uh, I think, one of the only chances, maybe one more, that we had to cheer about in the first half, Ellie. Huff and puff is the way I would describe us a lot of the time. Huff and puff and not a lot else. Um, like you say, huff and puff, <laughs> yeah. Um, but then that's the difference between a side like Bournemouth and a side like us. They've had 21 goal attempts a whole game mm. and we've had five. You'd struggle you're to gonna recall get, those five, If you you're well. going to struggle to recall those five, I mean, I yeah. can recall one in the second half as well. Mm. Um, and another stand out for me is we don't have enough men in the box when we attack when we've got a chance we'll get onto the second goal in a little while but watching the highlights back there are guys on the edge of the box they've also then got four players in the box ready to attack that ball that potentially is going to be crossed in when we have a when we have a situation like that we've got one man in the box chris martin and it goes over his head yeah hmm. yeah com completely agree um I put a note down in the 35th minute, Matt. City just watching and admiring Bournemouth's passing play. Um, I, for me, a standout was Billing, who's got the same sort of build as Tyreek Backinson, and hopefully he was watching his performance. And that's the sort of player he should be benchmarking against, isn't it? It is. I mean, you know, we've talked about Ty's sort of style, his, his, his language sort of style, but this, this for me is a massive, massive season for, for Tyreek because... Nigel Pearson won't accept substandard um, effort and and you know performance. I don't I don't know how long Ty had yesterday when he came on, but he he did nothing. Um, gave the ball away a couple of times, but by by no means was he you know that was happening all afternoon. 
But you're right to say it did feel like we were just standing off them and allowing them to play. But I also don't think we matched them as well in the middle. We they had again mid, the midfield was being completely overrun. As Ellie said, they they seem to. Lloyd Kelly, I thought, was a Rolls Royce of a player for them yesterday. He, he hit, He's really come on, hasn't oh, he, Lloyd? Dear, oh dear. He hit three yep. or four passes that he just pinged out wide, a, a sort of diag, but it was almost to the foot of the, the player or he was able to run onto it. Um, but they, they do that. They play a ball and they play it into the middle. And like you're saying, with, with Billing and his movement, but you had forwards that were always giving them options and making angles for them. And it's something that Bristol City hasn't seemed to have done for years and years. But we always seem to defend as a defence and attack as an attack. And, and this isn't a phrase, but midfield is a midfield. We're never joined up, whereas Bournemouth were just literally moving through their team. As Ellie said, they had options, not one, not two. It was three or four players. Balls were being hit over the top and you're thinking, oh, the, the centre forward's not getting there. But they had the, the right back coming in at the back post, you know, a couple of times in. Yeah, it was... You've said it, Patch, that we seem to just be watching and admiring them, really. And we just stood off them. We just stood at off them and allowed them to play. At times, it reminded me, uh, I'll always refer back to my Monday night five-a-side, but it reminded me, uh, we're, our average age of our team is like 40, basically. And sometimes we come up <laughs> bit, as... A bit older, but... <laughs> well, yeah, maybe. Sometimes we've got a young lad in the team that brings oh, it right. back. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, but sometimes we come up against some some young 20 year old lads who yeah. literally bomb around and, and and you just think right we'll get a little reducer in early but can't even catch them can't catch them to do it so it seemed to me sometimes a little bit like that yeah it does and and actually a, a lot of tweets um and comments yesterday were about the fact that they didn't use that word but it's a lovely word but we needed to put a reducer on a couple of them we needed to be a little bit um I can't recall some. I've I've read something this morning. I think Dean said that on Forever Bristol, someone made the reference that we'd only made four fouls. Um, and Gary Hours said after the game, in in games like that where you're being outplayed, you have to turn it into a different style of game. And sometimes that does need. Um, I don't absolutely. I don't condone going out and trying to to hurt or injure someone. But sometimes you just need to leave a, a little bit on someone. Yeah, we're not, we're not asking crack. for it. We're not asking for a two-footed drop exactly. kick to the face. <laughs> no, exactly. But the, the Jewish power scenario, a tackle like that, putting something in gets the crowd going. Um, to only have four fouls yesterday, and I'm assuming I don't, I can't recall um, whether we had any bookings or not. Um, but when you you are that up against it, you do need to then start to to, to put your foot in a bit and look to to, to some of the dark arts. Case in point, Lloyd Kelly, I talked about a Rolls-Royce of a player. There was one moment in the second half where um, we had a break and Chris Martin was going to go through. Lloyd just pulls him back and takes yeah. the yellow card. We didn't do that at all. I'm just going to jump in, guys. I think yeah. I'm just going to back up what you're saying. I find that, you know, we don't press high. We, if, we don't press. Compare us back to a couple of seasons, you know, when we had the likes of Bobby Reed, Patterson. We used to press high. We used yeah. to run for that ball. We don't do that anymore. Like you said, we just sit back and let Bournemouth play their game yesterday. As soon as they come out off the block second half, it's just, you know, just let them play their game. There's, there's just no urgency to win that ball back. Is that, Ellie, because you, do you think Chris Martin obviously is a, a style of centre-forward that he just hasn't got He's the pace to be able to do this unfortunately quickly. not mobile enough. Yeah. Yeah. Really, it's a shame, you know, he's a great player, you know, he's he's had a great career in the Championship, there's a reason he's still playing at his age, there's a reason 
He's a, you know, Pearson obviously likes him. He's playing yeah. him over Wells a lot of the time, but he's not a mobile player. He's someone that is going to chest the ball down. He's going to head the ball. He's not quick. He's not going to make runs, unfortunately. That's just the type of player he is. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good, it's a great shame. Into the 36th minute, a chance. Callum O'Dowda was leading the charge in this in this move. And I thought he started to come into the game a bit more now, Callum O'Dowda. Um, gets a hard-driven pass, uh, sorry, gives a hard-driven pass across which Wells can only hit over. So it was a chance, half chance for, for, for Naki Wells. And I highlight there about Callum O'Dowda because it was a real shock for me when he came off. I don't know if there was an injury or anything, but... Uh, to make that change was a bit odd because if anyone was going to be a spark from watching that first half, it was Callum O'Dowd. It would be him. He, he's the only guy with the spark. Yep. Yeah. A- a- absolutely. We we all said it around us. Um, I was amazed listening to Nigel Pearson's interview afterwards. Um, it, it seemed to be a tactical decision. Um, I think it was, it was probably more a tactical decision in terms of Callum's work rate going back the other way. And the fact that their lad, I don't know if it was Stacey, um, had a, a, a fair amount of joy sort of attacking us down, down that side. But I was amazed. I actually had Callum down as our best player um, in the first half. Certainly, and, and you kind of, when you're looking at the game, you, you're remembering the, you know, you, you say at half time, you probably remember the 10 minutes beforehand. And he was an attacking threat, it felt. Um, so yeah, I was really surprised, really surprised by it. Um, I felt... Cam um, Pring lost yesterday, um, and I've not said that often. I, you know, as a player, I do really rate. I think he's got a bright future, but that was the change for me. I would have had Jay De Silva on. Um, he Cam seems more comfortable, off. more comfortable in in that left wing role, yeah. doesn't he? Um, from yeah, what I've, I've seen, and but I know I know he's probably is more of a defender. Yeah, yeah. I, I, as I said, I was I was disappointed with you. And Callum is is marmite for a lot of Bristol City fans. Um, and I was surprised to read in the week, I think he's 27 now. Um, I'll also, as we're talking about him, um, I saw on Instagram that he asked his girlfriend to, to, to marry him and she said, yeah. So congratulations to Callum. Um, but yeah, I was disappointed with it because I, I felt that um, he was providing that threat. And he, and he now, he's another one. I talked about Tyreek. For Callum, it's a big season. You know, it's it's what do you want to be? You know, you need to, he wants to play internationally. He's got, he's got to impose himself now. He's hopefully got his fitness issues out of the way. He has to impose himself. Okay. Callum, Callum sorry guys, I'm just yeah, going to yeah. jump in about Callum. I think the frustration with Callum O'Dowda is the fact he's been here for a very long time now. Yeah. Was he been here for four or five years? If I'm mm. going to be completely honest, I'm going to say, the, you ask anybody, what's the standout from Callum O'Dowda? Is that goal at Norwich? Norwich, yeah. That's it. That's what people say. Well, that's what Callum O'Dowd has done. And he scored a home goal against Norwich yeah. a couple of seasons ago. You know, there was that whole, will he sign his contract? Won't he sign his contract? That was a big That was a big part in his career down here. Everybody was desperate yeah. for him to sign. He's had injuries. Okay, let's, let's give him the, the benefit of the doubt with that. Hasn't done enough for me. And I'll back up what Matt has said. Big season for Callum. Big mm. season for Tyreek. And both, I'm not sure if, if they've, if it's going to be good for both of them, to be yeah, honest. With, with Callum, he just starts to get going, doesn't he? And then he gets injured, uh, it seems. Um, I but think there, there are two players that you could see leaving us at the end of the season, um, but going on then and going signing for another championship club and being absolute stars. 
Um, and you know, I'm look, looking at Jamie Patterson. Jamie Patterson's doing really well at Swansea. Yeah. Um, yeah. And sometimes that might just be, yeah, you know, as Ellie said, Callum has been here four, five seasons. Maybe it's a change of scenery. But I, I know there's a player in there, and I, and I'm, I, I'm probably one of his biggest fans because I, I do really think that we have got oh, someone that can do sorry, something. Sorry, Matt, I've just gone in on him. Okay. Uh. No, 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 not at all. Because you're right, Ellie. You're, you're absolutely spot on with what you're saying. But I, I do, I said, I, I do see a player there and he's another one that I would really, you know, I go back to my sort of coaching days with the, the, the youth football. I'd really like to sort of sit him down and have a chat with him and say, look, you know, you've got to realise the ability you've got and the same with Ty. Yes, it's your style. You need to change your style if that's the case then and, and really start to show what you're about. Um, there was one moment in the second half with Ty where he break, he was breaking through and Naki Wells, and it was coming towards us in the south stand, Naki Wells makes a run and, and Ty goes through a really difficult threaded pass in behind when he had an option wide to Andy Vyman. And again, it's like little things like that that Nigel Pearson will be in the stand fuming about it. And you could see easy Ty now, all right, the midfield options now because of injuries might be different, but you could see him dropping out again. We saw it the other week, didn't we, the game where we referenced it and said he won't start the next game because he mm. was just not doing enough. So... Yeah, yeah Nigel said it. Nigel said at the end, you know, some people didn't take their chance, and I think exactly, probably alluding You would to. think he would probably be one of those, wouldn't you? Yeah, I yeah. think there's only so many chances you can give a player like Tyreek as well. I mean, we're we're desperate to get Hanoa back in that midfield. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, yeah. it's obvious, but there's only so many chances he's going to get, and if he's not taking them, like you said, Pearson is not a manager that's going to put up with any anything substandard. You know, yeah. if you get your chance, like you've got to take it. Look at Palmer with his Fulham goal. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, 45th minute. Tanner watching and admiring as Bournemouth go two up with a great finish. But is the instruction to Tanner in this situation to jockey, jockey, jockey? Or should he be taking the impetus to get a tackle in there, Matt, I think? So I'm I'm going to take umbrance to that a little bit. Um, go on. Because Ellie umbrance. made the point. Uh, yeah, you don't hear that very often, do you? <laughs> Ellie made the point earlier on as well. They had three or four options around him. And they had literally and I've not watched it back, but there were a couple of players either side of the guy who, who had the ball. And Tanner is caught between a rock and a hard place. And it does make it look like it's it's a bit poor defending. Yes, he probably should go to the ball, but then they pass it past him and they're through. Um, someone um, to the side sort of blame Bentley. Bentley should be getting beat in the near post. The ball's passed Bentley before he's even seen it. It was mm. smashed in. Yeah, so absolutely, finish. for me, no portion of blame there. It, it, again, it stemmed, I think that one stemmed from our throwing, and the ball comes across. In so defensively as a unit, we weren't very good. Absolutely, Tanner probably should get a little bit closer, but he's completely exposed. It was three on one, I think. Mm. Um, so I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go too hard on on George for that. But um, it was just as a team again, no, no support from the midfield. It was a poor goal to concede. Frightening pace down the left from oh. uh, from the lad who scored the goals. Z- yeah. Begins with a Z. I can't remember his uh, name. Zamora. 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 Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Bobby, Zamora. Bobby Zamora. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, a fantastic run, a fantastic finish. Uh, the sort of goal that you see in the Premier League. You know that sheer quality. Uh, but again, really tough to take for us going into half time. Ellie, two 0 down no way back from that and doesn't help that we come out second half completely asleep again. Mm. I mean, we've said how the game passed us by, but at least come out second half and, and just put some effort in, you know, you know, 
you've got to, we've got to step it up a gear. Bournemouth didn't get out of second gear all game. They didn't need to. But it's just frustrating as hell. Come out second half, five, ten minutes, they're attack, 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 attack. Yeah. Oh. Spot, yeah. I mean, it's it's one of those as well, isn't it? It's, it, it's the timing of that goal completely kills you. It, it won nil. You'd like to think you go in and Nigel Pearson's able to change, tweak a few things. The players realise how poor they've been. Um, Dan Bentley said at the end of the game that we were sloppy, etc. But scoring a goal like that in the time that it was completely kills you. And and then I I do genuinely think it's damage limitation. Then you don't you don't mm. we didn't look like we were going to get back in it. Um, yeah, and and that that's the way it proved, wasn't it? That was the way I- it proved. Half-time summary from Rob, as always, not a good display. They are quicker to close, better finding space and moving the ball more quickly. Massive loss with Williams going off, gutted for him. Very strange replacement, though, and and any foothold we did have instantly disappeared. Very strange when Backinson and Palmer on the bench, so we've already covered that. Um, into the second half, 60th minute, first real bit of drive from City. Cross comes in from deep, Hannah, Tanner heads to goal um, and Wells sort of slides in and can't get on the end, end of it. Maybe a little better anticipation, Ellie, from, from Wells there, but, uh, you know, it was clutching. I think we tend to go through spells during the games. We have a five, ten minute spell where we look really good, but that's it. That's it. That's our standout from the second half of me. That five, mm. ten minute spell. Not, you know, Chris Martin had a header straight at the keeper. Oh, that's poor. Yeah. Basic, yeah. basic header straight at the keeper. Easy, easy save. It was a bit like the Middlesbrough game, um, Matt, where we had that ten minute spell where we played well, well and uh, and we scored. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, as I say, and in fact, you're, you're right with Middlesbrough because that was the only other game this season where we've not been in it at all. Really, we've not. Um, pro- probably less so yesterday because of the opposition you're playing against. Um, but yeah, you know, Ellie has, has said it there, that, that little passage of play, um, Tanner getting the header in, Campering had put over a couple of really good crosses at that point. That I think the first one led to the Tanner header and then there was another passage of play just afterwards. Um, yeah, Naki, you kind of... I, I felt it was a, a, a bit of a Naki Wells sulking performance yesterday when he came on. Um, it was almost the the nil is you know he 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 should have been anticipating that and and should have got a toe in into it. Um, I think yeah. you can say that that's two chances and that you know first his first half chance, second yeah. half chance. He had two or three like that against Fulham. Yeah. He's got to be putting that ball in the net. Yeah, absolutely. There was a lot of respect shown to Bournemouth yesterday, and it almost looks you could tell the players were giving them too much respect. It was almost like, yeah, they're too good. We're not going to win this. That's how it felt. And as a fan watching that, you just want, you know, there's always that comment of, oh, put me on, I'll put a tackle in. And to be fair, if they did, I probably would have been sent off instantly. But, you know, that's because I'm not a professional footballer. No, no, and and you're right. But And go back to your your five-a-side and and me similar in my five-a-side days. There were teams you'd come up against that were better than you. And, And that was, Nigel Pearson kept saying it yesterday and he was absolutely right. Bournemouth were much better than us yesterday. And sometimes you hold your hand up and go, yeah, we, we, we got beat by a better team. What do they have? 70-odd percent possession. Um, but also, you've got to put your own performance in. You've got to work hard. You've got to put the tackles in. You've got to find your passes. You know, we gave the ball away so many times yesterday. Um, and it did feel very much like at the end, like they've given up. Um, actually, they aren't that we- much of a better side than Fulham, are they? 
Uh, probably on paper, not. Um, on I the day. Yes, on the day yesterday, they were head and shoulders above anything I've seen. Fulham moved the ball quickly. Um, I think probably because Fulham have got Mitrovic up front, who he doesn't have the pace. He's a bit more like of a Chris Martin than, than um, low for them yesterday. So I think they Bournemouth move it a little bit quicker. Um, but you would have to say any side that finishes above Bournemouth and Fulham this season, mm. you think would get promoted. But um, but Ellie, you didn't we didn't see the players on their backs, you know, absolutely no. exhausted. No, um, no. So yeah, don't know. Don't well, know that, what the that, look at the. You know, look at the comparison to the Fulham game, to this game yesterday. Yeah. Um, you know, you've only got to just say what you said. There was nobody on their backs. You know, at the end of the Fulham game, everybody was exhausted. You know, our yeah. centre backs, they put in everything. They headed that ball out. They headed everything. Yesterday was a completely different game. Bournemouth, yeah. best side in the league. Fantastic. Yeah. Again, though, this is another case of every season we play a team like West Brom, we play a team like Bournemouth and it just makes you think we are a million miles away from being anywhere near close of that. Granted, you can say, you know, they've they've got this much money. They've, you know, our our centre midfielders yesterday both freeze, you know. Our centre-back, you know, George Tanner, Rob Atkinson combined about two million worth. Yeah. I just think we're... they, yeah. They've come down from the Premier League. They've got the yeah. they've got the money, uh, etc. to to pay those. But that is why wages. it's for for me. It's the most unfair part of the game. The the parachute payments from the Premier League just don't make it a fair playing field. Mm. Um, and unless you've you you have to hold on to the likes of Lloyd Kelly and Adam Webster to then be able to get that opportunity. Hey, all right, I, I'm sitting in now. If we got to the Premier League and we got relegated, I'd be all about the parachute payment. So, you know, but <laughs> but I, I do think it's completely unfair because, as I say, Bournemouth are a side that come down and then can then go and sign someone on 60 yeah. grand a week. It was know. a bit of a reality check yesterday. And let's not forget, at the start of the season, we were wanting to re-establish ourselves as a, a competing well, championship yeah, side. Absolutely. And, and listening to some fans again on, on Jeff's show afterwards, talking about if you want to make the playoffs, if you, come on, none of us at the start of this season would have been talking playoffs. It's only because we've yeah. done reasonably well and we were where we were, but we're not anywhere near the level of the top six teams. So let's mm-hmm. not pretend that. Okay, if it ends up that you're close near the end, then fine. But yeah, let's just know, com- we're, we're just talking compete. about we That's want to be and- competitive, yep. we want to be entertained, and we want to avoid being embroiled in any kind of relegation battle. And then you go again. And that, that for me, is where we're at. Um, so anybody talking about playoffs, is it's just ridiculous. Yeah. Okay, let's crack on. 67, 62nd minute, another chance. Vyman crosses from deep um, to find Jada Silva on the edge of the box. And again, doesn't really test the keeper. Then there's a change. 66 minute, Backinson comes on for Pring, Matt. Um, we've spoken about that a little bit already. Pring usually lasts 60 to 70 minutes, and that's happened again. Um, but Backinson comes on and you think, okay, let's see what he can do. But uh, I don't think he had hardly any touches. It, it, again, res- resulted in a change of shape. I think Andy Vyman went out left then that, at that stage. Um, 4-3-3, was it? Yeah, I don't, I don't know what it was. It was all a little bit of a, a mixed mash, wasn't it? But um, yeah, Ty, Ty did nothing when he came on. He gave, gave the ball away a couple of early touches that he, he didn't do very well with. A couple of moments where he was striding through, as I say, picked the wrong pass. Um, the, the campering one though, is he's a young lad. Yes, it's his first season at this level. 
but I don't think he's finished a game for us. Um, I might be wrong. He may have, maybe no, he came off it Reading away. I think he might have um, completed one. He might have done, but but he he looks tired. And yesterday, and Ellie referenced it right at the start of, the, of all of this, he did look not at the level needed. And again, it's against a very very good opposition, and he will learn from it. So I'm not absolutely not not you know um, castigating the kid. He's done really really well, but. He has to work on that. He can't be get you know. You need a player that you can expect to play ninety minutes, and at the moment you don't see that with Cam. Ironically, I thought he was actually in that stage of the game, having his most influence. He put in a couple of really good crosses. So again, it was a substitution that really surprised me. Um, and trying to get back into it, you almost kind of felt then. Well, was Palmer the better option um, mm. to try and open it up a little bit? But that was maybe my that's limitation thing maybe Pearson was thinking um, that if I'm honest with you the sub I would have made was King and that again wasn't with hindsight with what then happened but King looked absolutely out on his feet the, the ball was bypassing him um, and as a result it made the midfield of Matty James and Andy King look very very poor mm. um, so I was surprised that that substitution didn't happen so yeah another one that got that, that Nigel got wrong I think okay uh, 73rd minute Andy King takes himself off the pitch uh, and we're down to 10 men because that's the uh, that's our three substitutions gone. Nigel Pearson arrives in the dugout at that point as well. Did, Ellie, did you see any any pull-up from Andy King? I'm I not... don't recall seeing a pull-up, no. All I recall is just seeing him walk straight down the tunnel. Yeah. Just completely straight down the tunnel. It didn't look like he was in any sort of discomfort or pain. No. But mm. to me, that's a little bit frustrating like I've already said bad man bad man management perhaps um you know you maybe you can't help an injury at that point in the game but we'd already made all three subs by 70 minutes like you say sometimes obviously the Joe then, Williams injury yeah. unfortunate but we, we kind it's of not really good whether... enough you know that, that that luckily we didn't concede any more but at that yeah. point we're we're effectively playing with 10 men we're a man down yeah and it's not good enough in my eyes and Matt if it was an illness yeah, because Pearson walked past him as they as he walked yeah, in, and he, he said walked that out. on the radio. Yeah, yeah. and when he was asked about, it, he said, "I don't know." I passed him in the tunnel walking but down. Surely, surely he would have stopped him and said, "Andy, where are you going?" <laughs> yeah. yeah, and and I mean, again, I'm, I'm not going to be too graphic, but, but but people sort of said, "Oh, one, you know, wonder if he was ill or um, and needed to kind of get off." But if it was an injury and it was a, I didn't see a knock. It didn't seem to be in a challenge. If it was a bit of a pull. You don't want players making it worse. I absolutely get that. No. Um, Has to be but, an injury. But give it five, ten minutes. Even if you get the body, stick him up top and move someone back. Or um, It was just a really strange situation. And as you say, Patch, I'm, I'm amazed that Nigel Pearson, knowing that we've made the subs and Andy King's passing him, isn't saying what's what's up, and like you know, and, yeah. and can't then. So hope, I'm I'm sure he probably did, and and yeah, maybe it's just a bit didn't want to. Yeah. Didn't want to say what it was, but it seemed a strange, very very strange situation. Okay. Um, and actually, Grange even tweeted it. Lee Granger, um, it was five minutes. I don't know what time it was last night. It was five minutes that he was reading it that he'd realised that we played the last sort of twenty minutes with ten men. Um, yeah. So I don't know what that says about the performance of the well, team. Well, to, to be fair, we, we don't concede again no. and we have another chance. It was a break from um, Andy Vyman, yeah. uh, crosses it, uh, sorry, to Wells, who crosses it, to Martin, who, who heads at the keeper. And we've already referenced that, um, that Martin hopefully you know, should be doing better with that. But still to create a chance ten after 10 men. And, you know, it's, sometimes it's harder to play against 10 men, isn't it? 
It is, but it was... The game it, was gone, wasn't it? It, it was It was a training exercise for Bournemouth, wasn't it? And yeah. as I said earlier, if, if they'd have been less selfish and were squaring passes as opposed to trying to go for the far corner, I mean, um, the, the, that sort of bent his back post was almost our best player with the, his positional sense in uh, making yeah. sure that he moved in just enough <laughs> so the ball went past, yeah. Well, the number of times that the ball sailed past the post and yeah. you thought that was in, that was yeah. in... 2-0 isn't yeah. that bad a result, Ellie, in fairness. I think it flattered flattered us, to be honest. I think we've got, we got very lucky. Um, they were, you know, quite poor in their, with their finishing in one way. I'm they not criticising really. them in any way, shape or form, because they're fantastic. Best, Bloody best rubbish. Side. <laughs> <laughs> best side we'll see at the gate all season, but maybe a little bit sloppy in their passes early on. I just, you know, we've all said, I, I couldn't believe how many shots went past the post. Three four, five, six times. We got lucky, like mm. we did against Fulham. We got very lucky. This scoreline flattered us. Could have been a lot more, should have been a lot more. But you can say that about a lot of games for us this season. Look look how many chances QPR had. And we yeah. somehow nick a 2-1 win, but that's us all over, isn't it? It was one of those, Matt, that um, we want to forget very, very quickly and move on from. It's the first time we've lost by more than one goal. Um, so there's some positives for you that we can that we've still we're still in games mainly until right until the end um just to pick up on a couple of bits so at full time no clap from lloyd kelly was was a mm. bit frustrating uh frustrating is the word bit up, uh what's the word i'm looking for disappointing disappointing yeah. very yeah. Disappointing, disappointing considering um you know he's, he's come up from our youth system and yeah. local local lad i think that's a little bit disappointing yeah he was to be honest he was interviewed by um, Ed Halpin, I think, after the game. And, you know, he sort of said it was nice to be back and things like that. But, yeah, just that he, opportunity. He actually, he actually said it was the first time he was back in front of the fans and it wasn't. We played him, um, I don't know at what stage, last season, the season before. And okay. um, he hit the post, I think, as well. And I'm sure that we were there then. Um, but, yeah. But, yeah, just doesn't take much. Just to... No, of course it doesn't. Because who did as that? As said, he's a Bristolian, isn't he? Fundamentally, I think, yeah. yeah, you've got, you know, he's obviously when he when he left us, he was at sort of a stage where I would, you know, me and my dad always used to say about Lloyd Kelly, he's got a mistake in him. Mm-hmm. You know, before he left, he cost us a few goals. He's got a mistake in him, but he's gone there. You know, he's really come on, fantastic yeah. centre back. Now is, is he their captain? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so look, he's yeah. their captain. Actually, their captain. You is... know, he looks like a real, real presence in their centre yeah. back. Yeah. Um, but sort of don't forget where you came from, you know, yeah, yeah. a little clap to the fans, you know, us fans. It means it a lot. Ja- it was Jamie Patterson, wasn't it, who did that a few weeks ago, went round and, and clapped every sort of corner of the stadium. Um, you, you, you have to stay as well. Lots of Marlon back. Marlon gets a load of stick, and I know that's the kind <laughs> of thing. But every time Marlon, if he takes a corner, he will applaud the City fans. When he's at the end of the game, he will applaud the City fans. Um, it 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 costs nothing, and, and Ellie's statement there about you know don't forget where you came from, spot on. Mm, yeah, and no clap from Nigel Pearson either. Uh, he usually waits for everyone to go off, and then we'll just give a little bit of applause. But um, yeah, no nothing from yeah. him. Either. I I don't think that's much of a surprise though. Really, fair enough. He's not one to come right over, you know, to to the stands and clap. You know, do a full lap lap of the pitch, but. Considering our position of where we are at the moment, it's another game without a win. You know, a, a little clap, a little appreciation goes mm. a long way. And fans are going to already annoyed already, but become a little bit annoyed at that. Yeah, but, I think, but, but, but big thanks to Nigel Pearson for the message for great Uncle Len. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah thanks, thanks Nigel. All, all about Uncle Len. Um, but, but in truth, 
you have to look at it and, and, and it sort of made me think a little bit there that there's been a lot of games this season where we've got points um, and we've been second best and, and Nigel Whittle who's a, obviously a, a regular on the show as well um, Nigel put a sort of post in last night um, in our WhatsApp group about you know not, not feeling like we're being entertained and you know yes we've we've improved on, on last season but the bar was really really low um, and actually, we do concede a huge amount of opportunities to the opposition, and you do wonder some one day whether we are on the end of a, a, a real a real hammering in terms of scoreline. It was a hammering in terms of performance yeah. yesterday, but they they need to look at that. You know, we're we're too easy to play against um, in terms of oppor- opportunities being you know against us. Yes, can't fault the effort this season in in a lot of the games, but you know, it's a little bit of a worry, isn't it, that, that we are giving up the the possession like we are and when you're playing the better teams you're going to get punished that's what my dad and brother have been saying guys I think one game we're going to be on the end of a of a hiding unfortunately there's only so many times and so many games we can get lucky yeah okay um Nigel Pearson's comments after the game beaten by the better side didn't manage possession no complaints very disappointed for Joe Williams no idea what Andy King's injury was which we've already covered um so King comes off. Joe Williams comes off. Uh, a few more niggles. It's the worries of having a smaller squad, Matt. Obviously, it's great to have a smaller squad if they're all fit. And and again, ironically, um, at the start of the week, we're talking about literally everybody being fit. Um, and now by the end of it, we're then talking about potentially you know, maybe one or two long-term injuries again. Yeah. Um, and you're right. It, that That's the... The balance that you've got to have, isn't it? And and the championship is such an unforgiving league. Um, with games that come thick and fast against physical quality opposition. Um, yes, it's it's a worry, and, and you're looking at Tuesday now, and you're thinking, okay, well, if we just just as a, a basic, if Williams and King are both out, who then comes in, and what does that then mean from a bench point of view? Because yeah. those midfield options again are, are really limited. I think we're going to start to see some of the. Uh... Some of the youth being drafted through you, again, you'd ima- Sam you'd Bale. Imagine, yeah, you'd imagine so. Yeah. Okay. But a um, couple of tweets I want to read out. Uh, one from Dr. Dean Allen. Bristol City totally outclassed today. Bournemouth were in a different league and will be next season. Injuries, poor substitutions, lack of pass and move football showed us up today. The only positive that it wasn't a hammering. Joanna Baggs have to say that was utter rubbish. No fight and no pattern of play. Really poor from City today. They may have tried, but they certainly didn't compete. And that is unacceptable. Hoping for a hell of a lot better on Tuesday. Um, so just a couple of tweets. Thanks for thanks for those. Keep those coming in. Um, yeah, completely yeah, agree with, with, with those. And with that, Matt, take us through the ratings. Okay, yeah. Helmets on. Yeah. Um, so Ellie, for for your benefit, six is what we consider to be. Yeah. You've you've played to the standard you should be playing yeah. at. So yeah, there won't be many of those. Just to head up. Um, so Bent, um, I toyed with a six, but I've gone five because um, he conceded two goals. I'm not not portioning. Yeah. Not a portion in blame to him, but he was part of a defence that conceded an awful lot of opportunities. Um, I don't know whether he got his hands to any of those shots that worked because of where I sit in the south stand 
um, whether we got his hand to any of those shots that did sort of go past the post. Um, you know, so so arguably it could have been a six if he made more of those saves that I just couldn't see from from my end of the pitch. But it was a five for me for Dan. Um, George Tanner, um, I've gone five again because of where he's come from. I didn't think again he got a lot of support from Callum on on his side of the pitch. Um, not Callum, sorry. Joe Williams obviously went off, um, and then. Andy when he got there but there was a lot of raids coming down that side um, I toyed with four for George but I thought actually he showed a bit of fight he, he, he was trying to get forward it, and obviously it was his header his opportunity in the second half so I went five for George um, on the other side Cam um, I've gone four I did think it was just a poor performance from Cam I thought he was he was never in it he gave the ball away a lot of times yesterday or a number of times not a lot but a number of times they had throw-ins and he wasn't switched on to the fact that he needed to be getting back and defending and then was then having to put a, bu a bit of a burst in to get back in cover. Um, so, yeah, it was just a, just a poor day for him. Um, but one that I know, again, he's going to get the experience from, but it was four. Two cent halves. Um, I've gone six for Thomas Callas and, and was my man of the match. Um, again, we do concede an, an awful lot through the middle, but I thought that he defended as, as well as he could and... and really how I would expect him to defend. Um, Bakes, I went five. I didn't think, I thought Nathan defended fairly well, but again on the ball, just gave it away far too often. Um, so yeah, so that, that was what I went with. Um, Matty James and Andy King, I'll do as a, a midfield pair, but I've gone four for both of those. I thought it was poor from, yeah. from both. Um, I'm not going to go, th I haven't gone three for anyone. And, and I know some of the fans were talking it was twos and threes. Um, not for me. Three is 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 absolute stinkers and and just giving no effort and not trying or anything like that against opposition. You'd expect more against. You know that's what I've got. To, you've got to qualify against. It's Bournemouth, but I thought both were were really poor. And I'm with Ellie on Matthew James. I really like him. Um, my fear with Matthew James, especially when Andy King comes in, is that there's just no pace in that midfield right. then and we just get overrun against you know your your five aside patch with the 20 year olds we get overrun um so yeah i thought i thought it was a poor day for the midfield um i'm not going to score joe williams obviously because of, of coming off so for, for naki coming on um goes, goes back to ellie's point is huffing puff um ellie huff sorry ellie huffed and puff yeah naki huffed and puffed but just didn't didn't take the opportunities that, that came his way, um, you know, and, and needs to show, and maybe again, as I talk about Tyreek's style, you know, Naki seems to play with that sullen kind of, um, I'm not bothered attitude. And I know that's not the case, but it, it just, again, wasn't, wasn't a performance I expect from him. You do pick up on the body language though, don't you? You do, so. you do. It's difficult not to, isn't it? And he, he does look player that, um, probably is frustrated at his lack of game time but you have to come on <clears throat> excuse me and make a difference which he did i'm gonna cough <clears throat> excuse me he did barry, at, barry from watford, barry from watford yeah he did at um qpr and then would have started the next game in as uh, millwall and obviously has the injury in in the, the build-up although i think he might even have been on the bench when he had the injury but still um but he didn't. He didn't show it, did he? So again, you look at for Tuesday night. I probably would change it around because I think Chris Martin um, almost needs to. There needs to be a different dynamic up front for me there. So I probably would change it. But it, it wasn't a performance where Naki immediately makes you think, yeah, he has to start. 
but he probably would for me. Oh. Um, who else have we got? Um, Vimen. Vimen does what Vimen does, doesn't he? It's funny. I was having a discussion with with a friend of mine, Roger, when on the way in in the car, and he was saying with Vimen that some games, you know, he's an absolute superstar. Sheffield went Sheffield United, sorry, Cardiff. But you also know that he's going to shank a few and and not take necessarily that one opportunity that comes. Um, and I felt it was a, a performance from Andy where, again, he played three of three sort of four different positions, ran his socks off. He's always going to work work hard and, and put the legs in, but yeah, didn't do anything and enough going the other way. So it was a five for me for Andy. I'm a I'm a big Andy Vyman fan. I think when he got his injury last season, I think. We missed him terribly. I think people underestimate him. His workload, his his work rate. Sorry, what you know, what he does like the game is fantastic. Um, but I do find that he's better away than he is at mm. home. I find, I just find he's not as good at home. I I don't know if that's got a reflection on you know how many games he's been without a win, but. You know, it's, like you say, plays all over the place. Maybe he didn't, even, you know, probably thought I'm all over the place today. I don't yeah. know where I'm playing, really. But he's better away from home. Pat Patch's comment on the from the hen and chicken, I mean, he said he was asked the question directly, you know, where he likes to play. And he said down the middle. And yeah. it must it must frustrate you because you're not building up that that head of steam and, and getting those same opportunities. Um, yeah, you, you accept the fact you've got to do a job for the team. But yeah, I, I agree. My worry with Andy is he does, and he, he seems to have done this every season with us. He, he has those little runs of games where he scores yeah. a, a brace in a couple of games and then he, he doesn't score in 10, him. 12, yeah. you know, and it's, you know, again, that's not necessarily a reflection on him. It's a reflection on our style of play, but something needs to be looked at. And, you know, Forrest, Christ, we couldn't be playing Forrest at a worse time at the moment. I think they've gone 10 points out of 12 <laughs> since... Um, yeah. Steve Cooper's taken over, um, but it needs a, we we need a change of certainly personnel in there. I think a couple of new faces need to come in. Whether that is Casey Palmer, Naki Martin, Hanoa, definitely if Hanoa's fit, then Hanoa comes in and he comes in in yeah. centre mid with Matty James. Um, I would probably go Callum on the right and give that a go, something different. Um, but it needs it it needs a different a different sort of set of personnel there for me. Okay, um, Matt Nigel Pearson. <sighs> Got to be a four, um, and and actually, when I was thinking about the threes, that was the one that I was kind of toying with, and it was the Uncle Len message that saved him from it. Um, <laughs> no, <laughs> joking aside, I I thought fundamentally starting lineup was wrong, so the three substitutions were wrong, um, and that bit. Of, no, people think oh, you're pathetic, mate. Keep going on about it. But the, to be sat in the stands when clearly after ten minutes we were we were second best, I, I would have been coming down and and making my position felt. So okay. yeah, it's, sadly for me, it was a, a four for Nigel there. I just okay. want to jump in, guys, about Pearson really quickly. I was mm. reading the um, post match comments through his Bristol live interview, and the one that stuck out for me at the end was, "I guess we'll have to keep winning away." Oh really? Okay, that's not good, is it? Um, yeah. I mean, it's it's a, it's a paying season ticket holder. Sixteen games now with that home, and you know, some people are going to look at it as forget about last season's form. Yeah. One about this season, but I'm I'm a, I'm sorry. This run for me is point blank sixteen games without a win. Um, and do you want to hear that as a as a home fan? I guess we're going to have to keep winning away. 
it, it's. I mean, I guess it's it's trying to make light of a situation, but actually, yeah, you can't you can't make light of it. And and that's the the thing that there are times when you know a bit like the other night um, with Curtis Fleming. I went here last season, you know, and it did it did get a laugh. But yeah. you can't hide away from the fact it's a, a totally horrendous record. And Richard Gould was saying about we sold thirteen thousand three hundred season tickets or thirteen something, wasn't it? Um, yeah. But we'd also lost. I think he said a thousand from people who'd been season ticket holder for seven years plus or something. And I might have those figures wrong. Mm. And it was, how do we get fans? You know, how do we get those fans back? Um, what do we do about the, the youth? And, you know, we, we sort of, uh, one of the questions I asked was around, you know, how do we get young kids back in the stadium? And there was Quit a kid and all that. Quit a kid. And, and quite rightly, it got referenced about the, the, the Luton game and the Tom Lockyer chant that was going round about the the, the <laughs> see, see you next Tuesday oh. sort of chant, which I wouldn't want my young no. nephews, and not that they are young now, but you know you wouldn't want to bring them into that. So that, that that comes into it, and it's how how do you appeal to the Section eighty two guys? But it wasn't just them and, and girls; it wasn't just them. It was the whole stadium that were that were involved in that. But fundamentally, getting people into the ground. You have to win your home games. Mm. I'm not doing that. So if you're sat at home thinking Christmas is coming up, do I want a half season ticket? Why would you? No, exactly. Why would you? And I think everyone, you know, all other clubs are picking up on it now. Is it's being said on Sky Sports, Bristol City, how many, you know, Michelle yeah. Owen a couple of games ago, 15 without a win, worst yeah. home record in the league. Everybody's yeah. gonna be everybody's gonna be saying, Oh, let's go. Oh, can't wait to go to Ashton Gate. They can't win to save their lives. Yeah. And it's true. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Um, couple of quick things to wrap up. Uh, congratulations to Brian Tinian on promotion to uh, director of the Academy now, Matt. Yep. yep. Um so we had him on earlier in the season talking about his player pathway manager role and his passion shone through tremendously on that and you know it's a it's natural progression as Richard Gould said so uh, a big congratulations to I've Brian Tinian. I've not seen who's replacing Brian as a, a pathway manager that would be interesting to see. No, no I don't I don't think I I've, I've seen that no, yet but not seen um, that, yeah. yeah sure there will be. Um <laughs> Couple of uh, couple of positives on yesterday. Someone posted yesterday. Scott Tobin, actually a listener, about his niece, and it was her first game. And I know it was Joe Bunnell's daughter's first game as well yesterday. So, couple of positives there. Some new new fans coming through the door, through the gate. May not be in a hurry to go back though. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was an experience. Oh. Um, a, as as Matt, you know, a guilty pleasure of mine is. Oh, What's he going to say here? Oh, this just build up. Wrestling. Get a bit... Rest... It's wrestling, isn't it? <laughs> it is. It's American wrestling. Uh, never re really grown out of it. Yeah. Um, so I appeared on Andy's podcast, the Bang Bang podcast. Right. Yeah. Um, he's been on the show as well. So so I returned the favor and that is coming out tomorrow. So anyone who's got any interest in wrestling whatsoever, then please do check that one out, the Bang Bang podcast. I'll give that a retweet tomorrow. And Tuesday night, um, I'm, I'm lucky enough to be down with the former Players Association on Tuesday. So I'll be grabbing a word with Rob Newman and Alan Walsh, who will be on the table with me. So looking forward to finding out what uh, they think about the current, current crop. Mm. Now there's a Robins reunited, Rob Newman and David Moyes. Now he's back working with David Moyes at West Ham. You need Don't to worry, talking. that is on my yeah. agenda to yeah. ask the question. Excellent. Um, so who knows? Who knows? It could happen. 
but uh, yeah looking forward to that ellie big big thanks for coming on yeah. the, the podcast great debut thank you great for having debut, me on yeah. guys thank yeah. you great insights into the game and uh we, we will definitely be uh, signing you on a longer term contract so, uh, uh, hopefully the next time i'm on we're actually talking about a win but yes, yeah yeah we're yeah. picking away game ellie oh <laughs> yeah but not one where you fall over and get bruised oh god <laughs> uh, andy byman andy byman effect there you go. Yeah. brilliant right matt right, thanks guys. a lot we'll take speak care. soon all take care guys. everyone thanks bye. for listening bye, bye. Yes. bye.